Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi everyone, welcome to Dissecting Dexter once again, a fan podcast dedicated to the Showtime TV show Dexter. I'm Gareth Watkins, coming to you this time from my humble abode in East Yorkshire, England, where it's been snowing outside today. Yes indeed, I talked last week about the temperature dropping, it's getting quite wintry, and uh, it's the first snow I've seen this winter, so uh, who knows whether it's going to come to much uh, just, just sort of coming down a bit lightly, just light flakes, uh, so hopefully it won't come down too thick, because it does cause me problems getting to work, although I am actually off sick today. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter or you're on the Facebook page, you'll have seen comments I've put about not being very well, and that the podcast is likely to be late or somewhat shorter this week. Um, I've got a sort of fluey thing um, I've had a temperature almost constantly since yesterday lunchtime and I'm, I'm full of cold and feeling... <coughs> excuse me. Oh, there we go. <laughs> uh, right on cue. Um, feeling just generally under the weather. Uh, the weather probably isn't helping, the cold weather, but I, I think I probably picked up some sort of viral thing. Uh, but because I'm feeling lousy, I just couldn't... I couldn't get my head in a place to... Uh, compose any notes uh, for the podcast yesterday uh, but I've forced myself to do it today and uh, you know not wanting to let you guys down and and still get a podcast out there and, and keep up with with the show as it airs uh, so apologies if uh, this podcast isn't up to uh, up to scratch or if my review uh, which I'm pretty certain is going to be shorter than normal uh, I'm, I'm afraid my my head just isn't in the right place to uh, to think very deeply <laughs> about uh, about Dexter and um, putting together anything overly uh, analytical and substantial for the podcast. So, yeah, many apologies. Um, in other news, uh, thank you uh, those of you who have contacted me uh, uh, with with good wishes for the safe return of of Dexter, our or one of our cats. Um, suffice it to say he hasn't returned yet we're still hope- hopeful this, this black cat uh, near our friend's house is still being seen now and again so there is a, a cat that seems to fit the description uh, out there uh, so, so fingers crossed ratings news something that I've not touched on this season really apart from I think I reported on the ratings for the season premiere um, they're of little consequence or of no consequence now really for the future of, of Dexter because the show has an end date so um, it doesn't make any difference with regards to possible cancellation or anything like that. But interestingly Showtime have said that Dexter is averaging over 6 million weekly viewers at the moment, the highest rated season ever they say and up 12% on season 6. So that's quite interesting, it would seem that Maybe some viewers who, who had dropped off the show uh, have come back to it following last season's Game Changer. Right, this week's episode then. Season 7, episode 10. Let, let's crack on. Episode title, The Dark Whatever. Written by Scott Reynolds, Lauren Gussis 
and Jace Richdale. Directed by Michael Lehman, who returns to Dexter for his second Dexter episode after Ricochet Rabbit last year. Okay, here's my review, and as I say, apologies in advance that it's uh, a bit shorter than normal, but here we go. This is another episode that really seems to have been a mixed bag for a lot of you. Some good stuff some not, and some of the negatives led to what could be the biggest realisation for Dexter so far, that the Dark Passenger is merely a feeling, that he's not a puppet, he's just Dexter. The compartmentalisation has been his way of avoiding responsibility for what he's done, all the lives that he's taken. He's always been able to blame the Dark Passenger for all this. It's pretty monumental, but after he breached Harry's code and killed Hannah's dad, It opens up a raft of new possibilities, and not all of them good. Clint McKay didn't fit the code at all, but Dexter killed him nonetheless, not because he needed to, but because he wanted to. But if he's going to start killing anyone he feels like, is anyone safe? Makes you wonder if he'll dispatch LaGuerta at some point. She doesn't fit the code, but with her on his case and presenting a clear threat to him, he could be free now to just get rid of her when the time comes. Although he'll have Matthews to consider too now. One thought I have at this point is that Dexter having this code and only killing those who truly deserve it, it helps us as an audience to root for him. If he's going to kill anyone he feels like, can we still root for him the same? Does it make him any less likeable? But despite this, I always felt that a natural milestone for Dexter in his journey to become human, I always felt he needed to reject his dark passenger. And now it seems like he has. The next step is to stop killing altogether. Now, (laughs) this may fill some of you with absolute dread, the idea of a Dexter that doesn't kill. And honestly, I think if he does get to that point, it'll be towards the end of the final season. But it could leave us at the end with some hope that he'll be okay. I don't think I'd mind him getting to that place. Now... Some of the negative feeling among viewers this week might stem from the fact that it was Hannah who led Dexter to this big realisation. I understand there are plenty of you who still don't like her, don't buy into her character, but for me, I accept how Dexter's got attached to her. He trusts her, he's opened up to her, so he respects what she says. It was such a simple thing that she said to him. The passenger's just a feeling. Dexter's not a puppet, and it set his mind working, and of of course it jumped out when he had the phantom on his table, holding the knife over his chest. He just couldn't bring himself to do the deed. Leading up to that point, we'd had some more grisly murders by the phantom, and then Dexter doing his usual detective work, despite having promised Deb that he wouldn't take any cases from them. But I did think, after Dexter couldn't do the kill, and the police came in to get him, Uh, to get the Phantom, that is. I did think that the guy would say something about this man, wrapping him in plastic and holding a knife over him. I suspect we'll hear no more about that, though. Just one of those things we have to let go. Something I have a harder time forgiving is the stereotype dad who seemingly wants to make amends for all the bad things he's done. I do like the actor who played Clint, Jim Beaver, who used to be in Deadwood and has popped up a couple of times on Breaking Bad. But the character and the setup with Hannah seemed 
seemed a bit forced to have her sympathise with her. Honestly, I do sympathise that she had an arsehole for her father, and I could understand her wanting him to have wanting him to have changed and be genuine about building bridges. But I just felt suspicious that it was leading up to something, and of course it did. But while I felt the story with Clint was a little bit heavy-handed, I did enjoy those few moments where the darkness fell over Dexter's face. We do like a bit of dark Dexter, don't we? <laughs> All that said, though, because I'm not anti-Hannah. I found it easier to watch and probably enjoyed the episode a lot more than those of you who still don't like her. And that also helped me appreciate Dexter and Hannah's romantic little moments at the end. Another first for Dex. He's told people he loves them before, but never in a romantic way. But wasn't it a wonderful moment of acting from Michael C. Hall? After Hannah said, I love you, we see the thought process on his face. You could almost hear the cogs whirring from inside his head as he considers his reply. And I'm OK with it, with him saying this. It, it fits with his behaviour lately. How he's responded to her, how he's felt at ease opening up to her, plus her helping him with the realisation about the dark passenger. Well, that's got to have boosted her score with him, isn't it? He's come a long way in a short space of time this season, and all it took was one woman. The problem now is Deb. She's not in the least bit interested in stopping her investigation into Hannah. And now she's got a lead from Clint. That could be the key to putting her behind bars. Oh yeah, it, it just showed Clint to be even more of a bastard when he phoned in that tip. Or that we discovered, retrospectively, that he'd phoned in that tip. Despite there maybe being uh, a deal with Dexter giving him that money, he still phoned uh, that girl's name in anyway. Son of a gun. So, Deb pulls Batista on board. And it's really setting up some tremendous conflict. Deb, she's wading in, eyes wide open, into a situation that's going to put her at direct odds with her brother. What's it going to do to their relationship if she splits up Dex and Hannah, putting Hannah in prison, and with it, the first person Dex has ever felt true romantic love for? But what it does show is Deborah doing what Dex has arguably always done, looking out for herself and her own interests. She's dealing with the trauma of her big discovery and what came after, but throwing herself into her work. She's also avenging Sal Price, isn't she? It's just unfortunate that what she's doing is possibly going to cause massive problems for her relationship with her brother and cause him great heartache. You could argue she's being spiteful. Maybe it'll come to the point where Dexter gets on his knees and begs her to drop it. He's in love with this woman. It could be quite heartbreaking for all concerned, maybe even shattering relationships beyond repair. Yeah, fun times ahead, I think. So, we talked about how we enjoy... Dexter in jeopardy and here it's his feelings in jeopardy but also his liberty of course LaGuerta had a breakthrough this week and I think Matthews might be starting to open up to the possibility that Dexter could be the Bay Harbour Butcher the link with Santos Jimenez is quite a biggie as they said who would have more reason to kill him Dokes or Dexter I don't blame Matthews for being hesitant about entertaining the idea he'll have a certain degree of loyalty to Harry his former partner but the evidence is starting to mount, albeit purely circumstantial at the moment. But how much do they need to formally reopen the case? It might not be that far away. It's not much of a stretch to say that the storyline really does have the feel of something that'll run on into next season. And with that in mind, I think this plot 
more than likely has an oh shit moment in store for us in the finale in two weeks time. I went to the church that night that you killed Travis Marshall to tell you that I'm in love with you. I don't know, it's weird and it's gross and it's fucked up. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. You're a serial killer and I'm more fucked up than you are. I've already mentioned the Phantom insofar as how it affected Dexter this week, and it does seem that the case was just a two-episode deal. I'm glad it didn't turn out that Bosso was the killer. We had the measure of him last week. But, like with the Speltzer plot earlier this season, the Phantom case had an effect on Dexter's main storyline. It's good, as opposed to random kills of the week, as much as we enjoyed them in the past, but I'm glad it didn't turn out to be purely filler. Finally, let's talk about Quinn, taking out George and his crazy hair this week. George hitting Nadia like that, I think most of us will have wanted Quinn to put a bullet in him, but I'm glad Batista picked up on the delay between gunshots. I seem to remember him noticing the same thing in an incident with Dokes back in season one. But I think it's pretty clear that he didn't buy Quinn's explanation, but cut him some slack. He knows how far Quinn has fallen. He knows what a low-life George was. He knows George was part of the organisation that killed Mike Anderson. He could also get an idea of how Quinn felt about Nadia. So you could say Batista undermined his own integrity as a policeman, but I think he followed his heart. He's a good guy. It's just a shame they had to deceive Deb. Moving forward from here, it might mean that Quinn will survive the season, unless the Brotherhood sends someone to kill the man who killed George. I wonder if Quinn will get taken out when he least expects it, shot by a hitman. So I think it could still happen, but I think his survival odds improved this week. But I do realise that there's tremendous apathy for the character, but I think he could be improved if maybe he got pulled into LaGuerta's investigation and helped there. That way he could again have a storyline that intersected with Dexter's. So, overall, this was a decent enough episode. Not the best, but notable for the two big events for Dexter. One certainly bigger than the other. It had some shortcomings, but my feeling now is the same as it was when the credits rolled. I thought, hmm, that was okay. But with two episodes to go, it looks like the climax will be Deb facing off against Dexter over Hannah, with the LaGuerta investigation creeping up on him from the wings. So, those are my thoughts about the episode. Like I say, somewhat shorter than normal. In fact, probably half as long as normal, looking at the counter on my my recorder. I am sorry, my head is just surrounded by fog today. I just... I'm just not in the zone, not in the zone at all. (laughs) But enough of me, let's hear what you think. Listener Feedback Alright, let's get into your feedback. Last week, we had a question posed by one of our listeners, Barbara from New York. Uh, She asked the question, who would Dexter save if Deb and Hannah were both drowning? I put this question on the Facebook page, and the responses were overwhelmingly in favour of Deb. Except Sandra Pisa, who said Hannah, because Deb can swim. 
but but interesting there that everybody pretty much thought Deborah quite emphatically in many cases. I wonder if I asked the same question this week whether the responses would be the same after we saw Dexter, after we saw what happened. Yeah, just wonder. Anyway, moving into uh, uh, the email feedback. Uh, following the Helter Skelter podcast last week, Ari the Invincible emailed in with a very interesting take on Isaac. He writes, I, for one, was very happy with the direction Dexter took last week, with the writers putting Serco to the higher purpose of teaching Dexter something profound and furthering Dexter's overall journey towards humanity. I'm a little taken aback that so many of your US listeners seem to have been surprised or disappointed by Serco's not ending up on Dexter's table. While listeners in other parts of the world might reasonably be unaware of this, it should have been clear to anyone in the US audience as soon as Serco's sexual preference was revealed that Dexter would not be killing him. The Dexter audience, in large part, stands in Dexter's shoes when Dexter puts someone in sarin wrap and takes them out, and the writers are obviously well aware of this. Many live vicariously through Dexter in those moments, and the table kills are a highlight of the show. There is no way in these United States that a sophisticated production team is going to have their hero kill a gay character in a manner that invites the audience to enjoy the killing along with him. There is just too much bigotry, hatred and revulsion towards homosexuality in this country to permit a socially conscious writing team to allow themselves to be seen as encouraging or cheering on such sentiment. Obviously Dexter would not have killed Serco because Serco was gay, but the... LGBT community here would, rightfully, have been up in arms at what would be perceived as a scene that invites the audience to see from Dexter's perspective as he kills a gay character, wish fulfilment for, unfortunately, far too many on this backwards territory. It is a sign of the progress we've made in other areas that Dexter could put a woman or a black character on his table. The very fact that this is acceptable means, paradoxically, that as a society we see women and black characters as merely characters in a fictional story. But just as Dexter will never kill a child on his table, he won't, in the foreseeable future, kill a gay, lesbian or transgender character, at least not in a manner that invites the audience to share in his thrill of the kill. No, as soon as Serco was made gay, it was clear that he would have to be dispatched, if at all, by someone we despise, whose only reason for existing on the show would be to kill Serco, such that nobody in the audience would cheer him for doing so. George was really the only option. I also admire the subtext here. In a country divided by controversy over whether people should be allowed to marry whomever they love, regardless of gender, that Dexter's lesson in love and commitment should come from a gay character and the suggestion that we live in a society which ridiculously forces so many of our gay brothers and sisters to keep their sexuality a secret as if it were comparable to being a serial killer. Dexter, at bottom, is about a man who must keep secrets from his friends and family, and so many of us identify with Dexter not because we all want to be serial killers, but because we all keep secrets. Serial killing is merely a metaphor for whatever secret you, personally, happen to keep, and Serco and Dexter share the burden of having to keep a central, core part of their being secret from the world, which is part of what bonded them, I think. Wow. That, that is a fantastic email. Really, uh, 
really well put together and um, and presented. Thank you very much for that. I, I find it hard to um, to respond really, in that I, I completely accept what you're saying. It, it makes a lot of sense to me, um, and there was a lot of passion in what you were saying, and and uh, I found that quite quite moving in a way reading your email uh so so thanks very much for that i i look forward to uh to hearing more from you in the future and i i suspect there may be uh, uh some resonance with, with some of our listeners who may may wish to respond um and maybe offer comments on, on what you've said uh so thanks again uh thanks very much okay moving on to uh <coughs> excuse me Still got this cold. <laughs> um, moving on to an email from Bart in Poland who says, Before I start to rumble about how much I didn't like certain aspects of the latest episode, let me tell you how I enjoy your little introductions at the beginning of your podcasts. Although the story from last week about your missing cat was kind of sad, I still can appreciate that you share with us such tales of your personal life, even when they're connected with our favourite show, only by names of your pets. <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, I wrote you an email saying that I really didn't want to see Dexter becoming just another serial killer, just like Hannah. This week, unfortunately, it's exactly what happened in my opinion. Dexter killed an innocent person, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. I really hate that. I hated the whole Hannah and her daddy issue storyline. From the beginning of the episode, it was very predictable what was going to happen, and I just hope that Dex won't, Dex won't kill Hannah's father, who, as Dex pointed out, didn't fit the code. How foolish have I been thinking that? I guess we have to get used to the fact that Dexter can now kill anyone at any time, especially if that person can directly or indirectly hurt Hannah, the love of his life. Ugh. Thanks to Hannah, I'm starting to really dislike Dexter, which makes me hate her even more. What have you done, you pretty little blonde woman with an amazing body? Don't you know that we liked our Dexter just as he was before he'd met you? Well, she probably doesn't know that, but the thing I'm most afraid of is what he might do for her next. Up until this last episode, I thought there's no way Dex will choose Hannah over Deb if he's ever in such a position, but right now I have no idea what he's going to do. I can even imagine Dex killing Deb for Hannah, which is crazy. You always say, Gareth, that we have to trust the writers. They know what they're doing. I think I know what they're doing with Dex. They're going all breaking bad on us with him. Just like in my second favourite series, the main character is becoming more and more unlikable to prepare the viewers for the last season, which I predict won't have a happy ending for Dex. However, I think that in the case of Dexter, this transformation is done too quickly unlike Walter White's, which is much more subtle and believable. I don't want to end on a sour note, so I'll say that I'm just hoping I'm wrong about the direction Dexter is heading in right now. I could mention all the other storylines from the show that I'm really enjoying, but that would probably take too much time, so I'll leave it at that. Thanks, Bart. Isn't that a good position to be in as a viewer? <laughs> Not knowing what's going to happen? You compare with Breaking Bad... In that show, they describe it as Mr. Chips becoming Scarface. And, and as you say, Walter White's downward spiral has, uh, has been done at a much more slow pace. It began right back in season one. For Dexter, he was much more of an emotionless killer in the beginning, but has slowly become more human. They kept mentioning about people having good in them this week, as, and we know Dexter has. We, he needs to harness that. Rejecting the dark passenger is a big step, but it 
puts him in a better position to control his darkness rather than the darkness controlling him. It's a step in the right direction, I think. And you're right, it has happened quickly. But this love has developed quickly, and through that, he's let this woman in, and he's receptive to what she says, for better or worse. <laughs> Let's move on now to another email. It's from Alex in New York City, who writes, I feel as if this last episode was the show's attempt at bringing the audience to peak sympathy for Hannah McKay and her relationship with Dexter. There was what I'd consider an uneven climb over the past few episodes to this summit and, between both LaGuerta and Deborah's investigations on Dexter and Hannah respectively, it certainly looks like it's going to be all downhill for these two lovebirds. Still, I can't help but feel a sense of being pushed by the writers of the show to feel something for this relationship and the character of Hannah that, knowing what I know about her, simply isn't possible. That's not to say I don't have a problem with the execution as well, as I did take some issue with the pacing and finesse. I found the episode particularly over-eager and heavy-handed in its attempts to spoon-feed pity for this individual. The new narrative of this cartoonishly awful and abusive father, and the false sense of childlike hope Hannah had in repairing their relationship was so sudden, overwrought and maudlin that I felt my sentiments resisting with what I can only describe as raw, reflexive cynicism. That these new events and characterizations were sudden is my central critique here. At the end of the previous episode, we had a nebulous picture of Hannah McKay's true feelings, or even that she had feelings at all. We were unsure, even as Dector climbed into her hospital bed, if the look on Hannah's eyes, as he unreservedly poured out his affection, was confusion, unease, furtiveness. Now suddenly, in the span of one episode, she's gone from inscrutable femme fatale to a little girl with a wounded heart. The tonal shift almost induces whiplash. As a quick aside, and to touch briefly on the performance of the character in and of itself, I do find it somewhat effectless and wooden. But I put this on the direction and not the actor. I imagine it's to keep her intentions and sincerity open to interpretation, but it's frustrating nonetheless. Also, there's the accent. It does seem ever so slightly artificial to this American, even considering this is supposed to be a girl from a small town, from small town Alabama. Though, to be fair, even here I have no idea whether or not the offness of it is design or defect. Well, I'll, I'll jump in here, Alex. Uh, of course, the actress Yvonne Strahovski is Australian, so uh, any defect in her American accent, I would honestly just put down to that. Alex goes on to say, At any rate, I consider the core problem as something fundamental that I just can't see resolved. I ask you, am I honestly supposed to feel sorrow for this woman who in her youth stabbed vac vacationing couples to death and only a few episodes ago preened coquettishly when called out on these terrible acts by Dexter at the crime scene? Do I share her pain at seeing her precious greenhouse destroyed when we strongly suspect she attained it through murdering the previous owner who put trust and faith in her? Am I honestly supposed to want to instinctually comfort her when she weeps, when I've seen the cost of doing just that very thing? The last man who let his guard down at the sight of her tears, Sal Price, did so only for a moment, and when he let his, when he turned his back to grab her a box of tissues, he paid for that small kindness with his life. Therefore, in my opinion, this character is utterly irredeemable, blithely villainous, elementally irresponsible, a shallow-hearted soul incapable of deep enduring emotion, and as such equally contemptuous 
with truly living life as she is in dealing death. This capriciousness of spirits has seemingly made its way into Dexter under the pretense of self-fulfilment and authenticity, and like vines wrapping their way up and around a young sapling, it may very well strangle right out of him whatever depth of character and fragile dignity he struggled to attain over his long and tortured years. In the face of this possibility, what can be said except there has to be some fucking justice? Well, thanks Alex. <laughs> that was a tremendous email and quite a damning indictment of Hannah McKay. And to be fair to you, you raise many, many really good points. With regard to her expression in the hospital last week, being open to interpretation, this question was raised on the wrap-up podcast this week, and they said she was probably realising how Dexter was getting attached, uh, sensing the strangeness in him saying he feels safe with her, knowing what she's done in the past, and thinking, OK, how can this ever end well? <laughs> I think we can all agree that she's a dangerous woman, unflinching when it comes to killing anyone who threatens her or stands in her way. She's surely going to want to kill Deb at some point, or at least this witness Clint tipped her off about. And it's true, she's killed a lot of people, uh, presumably innocent people who, who didn't deserve it, which is reprehensible, isn't it? Dexter, he's he's killed a lot of people because he's he's had this urge, this selfish urge to kill. Uh, <clears throat> and as we've talked about many times, it's just been a, a useful byproduct to society that the people he kills are, um, are scumbag murderers who um, have escaped justice and are likely to kill again. So <clears throat> you, you make a very good case against Hannah. And um, in, in many respects, it's hard to argue. For the show, I think the big thing is is how she makes Dexter feel. I mean, Dexter's at the core. Dexter is the core of the show, isn't he? I've mentioned how that, I think I said once before that I consider Deb to be the heart of the show, but Dexter's the core. And I think we need to look at it as from the viewpoint of how she makes Dexter feel, what she does for him. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't mean in a. I don't mean in that way. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, he's he's tried a, a relationship with someone more normal before Rita. Okay, she was obviously quite scarred from her marriage to Paul, but she was no killer. She she was no criminal. Full stop. For Dexter to share his whole self with someone, it would. It would have to be with someone who had been there at least in some capacity, who could understand him and accept him. Honestly. I'm not sure if the writers could have ever won us all over in this regard. If not Hannah, then who? Who would be the right person? Do we um, pull Deb's name out of the hat again? What would be the profile of a suitable life partner slash wife slash soulmate for Dexter? Could the writers have ever done this in a way that would please all of us? I'm not sure, but... We should come back to the point we've made before, that love can make us do crazy things. It, it can cloud our judgment. And Dexter's in love here. I don't know. <laughs> I can only play devil's advocate up to a point. But that was a really good email, Alex. Definitely food for thought. Thanks very much. Hey, Gareth. This is Chris. Long-time listener, first-time contributor. 
I'm actually in my own mobile studio right now, sitting outside work, coming to you live from the heart of beautiful urban North Louisiana. <laughs> I've actually been uh, listening to the show since like the very first episode, and I've been loving it ever since it started. But uh, anyway, had to call in, talk about season seven, uh, especially the latest episode, the dark dot dot dot, whatever. Hmm. I, I don't really know what to say. I don't want to come across as a as a hater, you know, especially on my first voicemail ever. I don't want to just call it a complaint because I don't hate this season at all. You know, I haven't really hated any season of Dexter, even though six came pretty close. But <laughs> I think the best way for me to describe it is. I don't know, I'm just feeling kind of disappointed, I guess, about a lot of things. And first off, I guess I'm just not like, I'm not loving some of the decisions they've made with the characters this year, Dexter included, actually. I've heard a lot of people say, well, if Dexter just kept on going like he was, people would be complaining that there's no character development, you can't be like season one Dexter. And I agree with that, wholeheartedly. You know, Dexter should and has grown a lot over the years, but having character development, I don't think necessarily means good character development, and I really only have a problem with it when it feels, I don't know, untrue to the characters, and I think that's really my complaint here. You know, we really saw these past couple episodes. First, you know, Isaac does this total 180 and basically becomes Dexter's partner in crime, like his chum who gives him love life advice. And especially after giving that epic, badass speech about how his uncle, you know, waited and tracked that dude down and killed him and how he was going to go to the ends of the earth to avenge Victor and whatnot. And there was that scene in the bar, uh, in the gay bar, how, you know, where Dexter admitted that he would have killed Trinity like a hundred times over or whatever, he said, um, to avenge his lover's death, to avenge Rita's death. You know, and that came just literally the episode before. And then they almost became friends. You know, it almost felt like it was a different character. I don't know. I mean, I really liked Isaac, and I, and I really actually do like the idea of changing the Big Bad formula, so it was cool that they did that. But I don't know, it kind of felt like it came at the expense of the character a little bit for me. I don't know, that's just me, I guess. And you know, I, I read something you put on the Facebook page not too long ago where you asked if anyone has actually started to dislike the character of Dexter a little bit. And at the time, I just kind of shrugged it off as, you know, of course not, I love Dexter. I don't know, but this episode's really made me think twice about that. I mean, did we watch the same episode? Am I just crazy, or did Hannah basically lead Dexter to abandon his code and become just, like, a random killer, or a person who just kills whenever he feels like, or whoever he feels like? You know, so he, he wouldn't take out the arsonist, you know, a guy who burns people alive, you know, including women and children, and just watches it for fun. So he wouldn't kill the arsonist, but he kills Hannah's dad, who, I mean, admittedly was a pretty big douchebag, but he's not really Dexter's table material. And not to mention, the whole character of the dad came across as incredibly cartoony and cliche to me, at least, I thought. You know, more of a plot device than anything else. But, I don't know. Anyway, I still like Dexter. But if things keep going in this direction, I'm not really sure that I will as much. I don't know. Maybe Devil lock up Hannah and we'll all be happy. <clears throat> And that's a good segue into my next point. You know, I've really been upset at how Deb's been so sidelined lately. And not just sidelined. I mean, I, I, I feel like it's kind of moving in the direction of putting a rift between Dex and Deb. 
you know, maybe like they're leading up to some kind of big con- confrontation between the two of them. I don't know, maybe not. But I think it'd be a shame if they did, because I really loved what they were building up to between the two of them at the beginning. You know, it was like this really unstable partnership of sorts. But now it seems like a lot of that's been undone by Hannah, or I guess by Dexter's relationship with her. I guess a lot of one's opinion about this season, since about the fourth or fifth episode or so, really kind of hinges on how you feel about the character of Hannah. And I kind of tend to fall in the camp of not liking her very much. I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure if we're supposed to, but I'm starting to get this awful feeling that we are, and I'm just not feeling it. You know, she just kind of comes across as wooden for me a little bit, and and nothing against Yvonne Strahovski, or I think that's the actress's name. I don't think she's a bad actress at all. I'm just not loving the character and and how Dexter is when he's around her. And I'm, I'm definitely Team Deb all the way, and it's a shame that she's been shoved aside lately as a character. Because Jennifer Carpenter has been doing some fantastic work this season, as I know, you know, y'all have talked about, or you've talked about before. But anyway, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and everybody's probably going to gasp in horror when I say this. But even though season seven has been obviously a whole lot better than season six, I mean, obviously no comparison at all. But I think I've actually maybe been a little more disappointed with this season in a way. Because I guess, you know, I felt like there was so much potential at the beginning for about the first four or five episodes or so, and I was just loving it. But now I feel like even the little things, like the Quinn storyline, has just kind of fizzled out. You know, the only um, the only thing I was really getting into this episode was LaGuerta and Matthews doing a little detective work. And I thought it was really cool how they went to the place where Dokes was killed. Nice throwback there. But um, that part of the episode was really minor. You know, it was just a scene or two. And... It showcased some of the weirdest editing I have ever seen. That that scene, it's the scene where Luguerta and Matthews are talking at the site where the cabin was, and all of a sudden it cuts to them in the restaurant or whatever, and Matthews is saying, as if they they're like continuing their conversation from two seconds ago. Dexter's mother was killed right in front of him. It all makes sense. Ah, it was so forced and expositiony. Not to mention, I find it really hard to believe that no one ever figured out that the ice truck killer was Dexter's brother. I mean, one of Miami's most infamous serial killers ever. I mean, not even serial killers. One of Miami's most infamous people ever. I don't know. I mean, maybe they, maybe they wouldn't figure it out. Something about that just didn't feel right to me. Yeah, the very last scene was weird editing, too. The scene where Deb, uh, with Deb getting some real dirt on Hannah there. That was one of the scenes I really did like in this episode. But it just felt sort of, I don't know, kind of tacked on to the end of the episode. All right. Anyway. I didn't mean to drag on so long, so feel free to cut this down if you want. But, uh, I don't know. I know I just came across as like a big old Dexter hater here, but I'm really not. I'm still enjoying the show, and I'm really excited to see where it's all going. I think it could be really, really good. So we'll see. And, you know, at the end of the day, I probably shouldn't get so worked up about it. It's just a TV show. But it just feels good to kind of let it all out and rant a little bit. Anyway, keep up, keep up the good work, Gareth. Loving the show. You do a great job. And, uh, and Travis, you did an awesome job, too, the other week, guest hosting. So I guess I will talk to you later. Thanks for that. It's great you've been a listener from the start of the podcast and have stuck with me through all the colds and coughs and, <laughs> and snow and aeroplanes and helicopters and birds and fox hunts. <laughs> I appreciate that. You raise a point about Isaac and how he'd been set out as a total 
badass, a, a cold, ruthless man who'd stop at nothing to avenge his lover's murder. Strangely, <clears throat> Ricardo Montalban's speech from The Wrath of Khan is springing to my mind. From hell's heart I stab at thee. That one. I think we could have imagined Isaac as someone who even with their dying breath would still be trying to claw at their nemesis, much like uh, Khan was trying to... much like he was feeling towards Captain Kirk in, the, in that scene. Isaac obviously had a change of heart, and you could fairly argue it didn't seem entirely true to the character we'd first been presented with. Not the one who'd stabbed a guy in the eye with a bloody screwdriver, <laughs> or made a poor man shoot himself... He was definitely a complex man, but one with a degree of honour, and he had been turned on by the Brotherhood he'd devoted himself to. You'd think at that point, <clears throat> the only thing he had left was his need for vengeance for Victor, but he'd scuppered that by sticking to his principles as a man of his word and agreeing to drop it with Dexter after he'd killed the hitmen. Plus he'd realised he'd been trying to suss out Dexter, see what sort of man he is, and he was clearly intrigued. Maybe even liked him. And, like they said in the episode, you, you set off out for revenge and you'd better start digging two graves. Whether that notion would have stopped Isaac, I'm doubtful. <laughs> but something definitely softened in him. And you're right that they're creating a rift between Deb and Dexter, and it does centre around Hannah. Perversely, could that be in Deb's thoughts? Take Hannah out of the equation and she can get close to her brother again. Maybe? Maybe not? I do think we're supposed to like Hannah, but it's tough when she's been forced down our throats through this whirlwind blossoming of love. It happens so fast. It's as if we have to like her for Dexter's sake. But I think we're too smart for that, so although someone falling in love is perfectly plausible, it takes time for us as an audience to warm to a character. And the problem with Hannah for me is that her character is like the big wedge that's being driven between Deb and Dexter, and that's been the relationship I've cared about most since the season one pilot. And as Alex talked about in his email, there's so much in Hannah's past to dislike, even in her present with the killing of, of Sal Price, but then I suppose if we're going to judge somebody for killing. <laughs> Dexter? Anyway, th thanks for the, the voicemail, Christopher. Email now from Danielle in Australia, who says, So Dexter has come to the realisation that the Dark Passenger is no more than a safety blanket, something his conscience created to explain his need to kill, an excuse for his murderous ways. So how does this impact his code? Does he now feel less obliged to follow it? He killed Hannah's dad easily enough, and he didn't fit the code. By the way, I love Jim Beaver, better known to me as Bobby from Supernatural. Ooh, Bobby connection there. <laughs> Dexter has strayed from the code in the past, and if he gets reckless, he now has a very suspicious LaGuerta on his tail, who would love to find some solid evidence against him. I think Hannah realised what Dexter meant when he said he had a talk with her dad, and that he wouldn't be coming back. She seemed relieved perhaps because it was something she couldn't do herself. To paraphrase a certain host, poor Deb. <laughs> she's so stressed out now that she's taking anti-anxiety medication. 
She already hinted in a previous episode that she needed Xanax to sleep. By the way, Xanax and Alprazolam are the same thing. Obviously, she's not coping as well as I thought in regards to learning who her brother really is. She comes across as so tough, but she actually is a very emotionally fragile person. To make things worse, there's no one she can confide in. Her one true constant and reliable relationship has gone forever. Dexter has a way of putting those close to him in harm's way, and I fear for her. One thing I am confused about, Batista in his restaurant. Is he retiring, or isn't he? What exactly was the purpose of this story? Also, Quinn's hair is getting higher and higher. He's starting to look a bit like an 80s new romantic. <laughs> Thanks, Danielle. <clears throat> Interesting you think Hannah did realise Dexter had killed Clint. I'm watching the scene again just before I recorded this bit. It's definitely possible that you're right. Her eyes do seem to fill up a little bit. And maybe it's a really nice subtle bit of acting from Yvonne Strahovski there. She knew Dexter was protecting her either way. And yes, you bring up Deb's pills. I, I didn't mention that in my review. But yes, that that's not a good sign, is it? But we can't blame her after all she's been through. I wonder why she's not been back to that shrink. I, I know most of us nearly had bloody kittens over her leading Deb down that I'm in love with my brother path. But from Deb's point of view, she was making progress, wasn't she? She's definitely a fragile person, though. And, and she usually just throws herself into her work in response, which we're seeing here in her pursuit of Hannah. Your last point about Batista. Just a, an added... Note really, on the wrap-up podcast, Scott Reynolds mentioned a bit of the original episode treatments for this week that didn't make it into the actual finished episode. It had Batista giving the money back to Quinn after he realised where it had come from, putting his integrity before his retirement. So I, susp I suppose that would lose him the restaurant, wouldn't it? But they didn't show it in the episode, so maybe it'll be mentioned next week. Hello, Gareth and Dexter fans. My name is Jeremiah Panhorst. I live in the St. Louis, Missouri area, and I'm fairly new to the podcast, and this would be my first piece of feedback. I found the podcast about halfway through last season and am enjoying it ever since. Gareth, you do a fantastic job with the podcast, and I can tell that the fans who send in feedback are very smart and passionate Dexter fans, and it really has helped enhance my enjoyment of the show. For a quick background of myself, I came into Dexter as a late bloomer. Did not start watching the show until right before Season 5. I mean, I'd heard about the show and always wanted to watch it, but didn't have showtime. And then when I realized it was on Netflix, I decided to give it a try. Before you know it, I had watched Seasons 1 through 4 in about a month's time and was ready to watch Season 5 on, you know, on the live feeds. And I've just been enjoying it ever since. It's a great show, um, obviously. Uh, season 1 is probably still my favorite season, but 2 and 4 is a close second for me. As for this season, like most fans, I have uh, probably enjoyed this season a little bit better than the previous two. The drama between Dexter and Deborah has been fantastic. And as mentioned, Jennifer Carpenter has just been amazing this season. I sure hope she gets the Emmy. Uh, the way the writers have handled the discovery of uh, Deborah's discovery of Dexter's secret, I thought has been handled pretty well. And I do agree. Ray Stevenson's performance as Isaac has been just awesome. He is by far one of my favorite bad guys so far. 
I am very intrigued and excited about the LaGuardia's investigation into the Bay Harbor Butcher, only because I know that this storyline will probably have a deciding factor in how this plot for Season 8 and the ending of Dexter will go. Now, unlike a lot of fans, I'm okay with the whole Hannah storyline. I just think that, like most people, I'm concerned as far as where they're going to go with it. If they wind off killing her off at the end of the season, then she could be a bit of a dud and a disappointment, kind of like how Lewis was. Other things I have some complaints about for the season is, well, for one, Lewis being killed so early, and Isaac as well. These were not uh, things that I was happy about. Um, I just feel like the Lewis thing was kind of a slap in the face of the plot line and kind of a waste of our time. And I just kind of feel like they missed the mark with the Isaac character. He was such a powerful and dramatic bad guy. And I think I was looking for a more dramatic finish. Now I will admit though that the closing scene between him and Dexter was kind of touching and I did enjoy that. But I was just looking for a little bit more in such a great character. I'm also a little concerned about how it looks like they're going to end this Quinn plotline. Looks like that might be a big disappointment too, but it's still early on that. Another thing I wanted to mention is, I like some of the fans here on this podcast, I am concerned about Dexter's character overall. I mean, he has changed over the last six plus years, but I get this feeling they are trying to make Dexter a little un more unlikable, shall we say. Um, the whole thing like this last episode where he kills Hannah's father, who clearly he doesn't fit the code. And I think this is just one example of the approach the writers have to maybe making him a little less likable. Is it possible that the writers are trying to do this on purpose, so that way if they decide to kill him off, we won't be nearly as upset about it? I would kind of be interested to hear what you think about that idea, uh, Gareth. As for some predictions... I think that uh, it's pretty clear that the whole triangle between Deborah and Dexter is going to be a big part of the end of the show, along with the investigation into the Bay Harbor Butcher. Uh, I think that one of three things could probably happen with the Deborah, Dexter, and Hannah thing. I think Deborah could possibly even kill Hannah herself, but it's more likely she will either find some way to put Hannah behind bars or find a way to turn Dexter against Hannah and have Dexter wind up killing Hannah in the end. It's kind of how I feel like that's where it could be going with that. I do expect a major death at the end of this season. Probably, like everyone else said, Quinn, Batista, or Logorda is probably the high, higher percentage <laughs> versions of who probably will be the one to get killed. And I do feel that the end of this season's cliffhanger will be Dexter probably on the run because he's been found out that he is the Bay Harbor Butcher. It'll be interesting to see if Deborah will be on his side or be, uh, be the person to help chasing him down. That's the interesting part. Well, Gareth, uh, I am going to trust the writers, though, to end this show the way we want. I actually kind of have a theory about television, to be honest with you. And that theory is it, I feel that no matter what, you're always going to disappoint most fans when you end a show. I always felt that Television shows usually only have four to five really good seasons and usually struggle to end it after that. I personally am a podcaster myself. I actually cover the television show Mad Men on AMC, and I fear they're kind of going that direction as well with that show. The first four seasons were amazing, but this last season five was just a bit off, and it makes me wonder if it how hard it is to finish a show very well. But I do believe having an end date in mind, which the writers, of course, do for Dexter at this point, does help. 
and maybe they will be able to have a satisfying ending to a character we love so much. Well, Gareth, that's probably it for me. Sorry for a long feedback. I wanted to let you know that uh, I really appreciate you giving us uh, fans a platform to say our piece. Uh, I really look forward to hearing what you have to say about this episode and hearing what the fans have to say. So until next time, this is Jeremiah from Missouri. Thanks very much, Jeremiah. Nice comments about the podcast. I also appreciate the smart listeners out there, often smarter than I am. (laughs) And although we don't always agree about everything, I think we complement each other, hopefully working together to make a a podcast that's of, of some good value. You raise a point about Lewis and Isaac. Lewis feeling like a dud. Of of course, we now know why Lewis was killed off so quickly and prematurely, as it turned out, because of Josh Cook's theatre commitments on Broadway. And for Isaac, it's a similar thing. Ray Stevenson was committed, it turns out, to um, shooting a film back in Europe uh, and the schedules overlapped, so he couldn't commit to Dexter for the full season. Although Scott Buck pointed out on the wrap-up podcast that it can work as a positive because it was more of a surprise to kill the main bad guy as early as episode 9. You raise the issue of Dexter's likability. This is, of course, something we've touched on before very recently. Personally, I still like him, even though he's behaved so questionably so often, not least with his selfishness, his treatment of Deb and his neglect of Harrison. I don't know... Maybe his rejection of the Dark Passenger will free him to an extent to enjoy life a bit more, relax a little, chill out. But you ask an interesting question as to whether the writers are deliberately having Dexter do things that could turn people against him a bit. I did uh, send a tweet to Scott Reynolds uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, um, pretty much asking this very question. And interestingly, he didn't reply, and he's usually quite good at responding, so... I don't know, make of that what you will. I'm not over-concerned by Dexter killing Clint McKay this week, killing him because he wanted to, not because he needed to. He needs to conquer his darkness if he's ever going to progress positively. The next step is to stop killing altogether. Might not be so easy, but maybe he could focus on his obvious astute detective skills and work with Deb to catch those bad guys that she can't quite catch within the bounds of the law. He does enjoy the hunt after all, and if he doesn't need to kill, then he could still enjoy the hunt. Turn them over like he did with the Phantom. It's, I find it interesting that you podcast about Mad Men. It, it's long been on my to-watch list, <laughs> but never got around to diving into. Not yet, anyway. Too many shows and not enough time. <laughs> I definitely will be watching it. I would imagine sometime in the new year. So I might just be seeking out your podcast. Thanks again. Email now from Sandy in Ireland who says, Dexter had a bit of competition in being dodgy daddy of the year. What a nasty piece of work Hannah's father was. Dexter's face when looking at the father during the rift was great. Again, we could actually see the dark passenger. Superb acting. Quinn, Quinn, Quinn and his bouffant hairstyle. How low can you go? But surely the fingerprints will be of Nadia on the gun that shot Quinn. Plus self-defence? Surely the police are trained not to kill, no? The internal police investigation can only end badly for him. No such thing as a dark passenger. Showing Dexter he killed all the people in the past and admitting that his father's ghost doesn't exist. Where are the writers going? 
I found it upsetting how Dexter disses Harrison. Wish the writers would stop this, please. Are we being spoon-fed a little too much again, with the Phantom and Bobby and Dexter with his dark passenger both not taking responsibility for their own actions? However, Dexter leaving him for Deborah, that's a turning point for me. Could this be the start of what we thought before Dexter being the ultimate detective and leaving the plaudits for Deborah? With Hannah only wears black underwear McKay and Dexter telling each other they love each other, a bit of me wondered if we would have the song Puppy Love, then fade to black rolling the end credits. Never going to happen, eh? <laughs> Thanks, Sandy. Your point about the internal police investigation with Quinn's shooting of George, uh, we've got a voicemail coming up that that addresses this one. Uh, and I think Quinn could have got away with it. Um, well, shall I steal Travis's thunder? No, I won't steal his thunder. I'll, I'll let him talk about that. But um, th there is a reasonable alternative to what, to what Quinn did. He didn't need to have Nadia point the gun at him. Your thoughts about Dexter being the ultimate detective and leaving the plaudits for Deborah. Uh, funny that that echoed some of my thoughts. Uh, although Dexter has, has often fantasised about being publicly accepted and, and gaining wide recognition for the good he's doing society, um, although it's not been for a while, so maybe he's moved on from those uh, crazy ideas. <laughs> Remember the ticker tape parade? That was insane. Anyway, thanks, Sandy. Uh, I mentioned Travis. Let's go to him now and hear what he has to say. All right, Gareth, let's try this. Um, we got no singing, no music, no script. Just me and you and the audience in real talk, all right? Talking about uh, the dark whatever. So in a real talk, Gareth, uh, I think this episode was pretty bad. And I don't mean bad as in good or bad as in, like, Michael Jackson's bad was one of the greatest selling albums of all time. I mean, like, bad as in it looked like it was written and directed by a third grader. Bad. Um, yeah, I know that sounds pretty mean, and I don't like to be so mean. But, uh, before I talk about the, what I disliked about the season, uh, or I'm sorry, this episode, I should say, I will say, uh, one good thing came out of this episode, one really important thing came out, and that was that Dexter, um, gave up the idea of the Dark Passenger. I've never really been a fan of that school of thought, that idea of Dexter's Dark Passenger, uh, that, the whole thing, in, in this episode, Dexter, or Harry, says that, uh, Dexter has been calling this thing the Dark Passenger since he was in, since he was 12 or something, but, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think I'm wrong, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right, but I could be wrong, but the whole idea of the Dark Passenger wasn't even brought up until episode 3 of season 2, and even then, the phrase was coined by Lila, and not Dexter. Now, the way the scene worked was that maybe Dexter was thinking it and Lila just said it out loud. But uh, we didn't hear about this Dark Passenger nonsense up until, you know, uh, almost 25% uh, of the way through Season 2. And Dexter didn't even make it up. Uh, in Season 1, or before Season 2, I guess, Dexter uh, was pretty unapologetically a killer. And maybe that's part of the reason, or something that could be admired about him. Uh, he enjoyed killing. Um and he just liked to do it. It was fun for him. Now we see, ever since, or just at least most recently, it seems like killing's a chore. You know, even Dexter's like, oh, I need to do it. I need to do it. I don't know. Season six was all about the whole, like, oh, my darkness. Gotta, can I control my darkness? You know, you guys can't see it right now, but 
I'm making a masturbation motion with my hand while I'm saying all that. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of malarkey. But uh, so I guess maybe that's all done. So I, don't know, I like that. That is something good. That's something good that came from it. Dexter's accepting responsibility. I don't know why I said it like a Jamaican guy, but I did. Um, Dexter's accepting responsibility for himself. Or his murders, whatever. Okay, so anyway, that was good. But man, it was just like, this episode really bummed me out. I really don't think this season is is like the return to form that we had all hoped for. I know a lot of people do think that, so they could say that. But I mean, for me, I really don't think it has. Um, I, you guys know I really haven't enjoyed the season since Dexter and Hannah got together. And I really liked last week's episode perhaps surprisingly, but I think, you know, it might be obvious, I'm even figuring out now, that the my enjoyment of an episode is inversely proportional to the amount of screen time that Hannah gets. Um, so, I was not crazy about this episode. Um, I think that uh, a lot of the stuff on, in this episode was too on the nose and, like, too ham-fisted. Like, the whole Bobby, the whole, you know, arsonist and slash Bobby thing you know, the, the dark passenger, oh, Bobby's making me do it. That was all like, oh, how convenient. Dexter's questioning the dark passenger, and oh, here's a guy whose problem is just like Dexter. That's the same old bullshit that happened in season six with Dexter killing the religious guy just when he's questioning religion. Um, I thought that was kind of ridiculous. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, Hannah's father, Hannah's father really bothered me. And of course, you're like, well, of course he's supposed to bother you. But that's the problem. There's no subtlety. It's way too fucking ridiculous like gee i don't i don't know are we supposed to hate this guy i'm too dumb to figure it out on my own well I, I we need this guy to yell and lie and blackmail his daughter that's how you know so now we all know how we're supposed to feel about him like oh so ridiculous hey hannah can i borrow some money nah dad i don't think so well fuck you i fucking should have killed you your mom hated you I fucking you you ruined my life it's like Nobody acts this way. He goes to Dexter's house and starts fucking chewing up the scenery, goddamn walking around like he owns a place. Well, you know, I could send Hannah to jail. And, ah, uh, who do you think gave Sal Price all those tips? Ah, ha, ha. Like, oh my gosh. Dexter being like, oh, get out before you see my dark side. Yo, why don't you just tell him get out before I murder you? God, could you be more on the nose about this? What is happening here? Does, did anybody really... I'm really curious about this, actually. I'm not, like, trying to be snarky or anything. Does anybody really care when they see Hannah cry? I don't. Like, I, as soon as this Hannah's father showed up, I was like, oh, great, it's Hannah's father's story. Who cares? And then she's crying about stuff. Like, does anybody feel bad for her, ever? I'd like to hear about that, because I don't, and I don't see why we should. But perhaps some people do. Like, the whole Matthews and the Guerta thing was cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's cool that they're investigating and stuff. Uh... But even all the exposition there was kind of ridiculous. Things like, maybe Dexter Morgan's the Bay Harbor, Butch Bay Harbor Butcher. No way Dexter Morgan is. We all know Dokes was back in 2007. This used to be where the cabin was, but of course it blew up back in 2007 when Dokes was the Bay Harbor Butcher. I'm already I'm messing it up. I just stop trying to be funny. But you know what I'm talking about, right? All that, just keep rehashing things that, they, that everyone should already know in the, in the universe of the show, I mean. And the whole audience knows this. Uh, that um, there's some awkward like editing and cutting with like Matthews is like hmm Santos Jimenez why does that name sound familiar cut immediately to, immediately to him being like oh I know why Santos Jimenez was familiar you know he's back in the Chinese restaurant I don't know what was happening in this episode uh, Quinn storyline like okay I guess guess we're done with the Costco Brotherhood Isaac's dead and 
George got shot. Well, there you go. That was good. What? Uh, you know, I, I don't really mind Quinn shooting George. In fact, I admire that about him because one of my biggest pet peeves is when in movies and TV shows, there's all, people are always like, stop or I'll shoot. And then they never fucking shoot. You know, the dude continues to run away or do his fucking taxes and then, you know, he never shoots. So I really like that Quinn shot him. That was actually kind of surprising. But I just don't like his plan was like to have Nadia shoot him in the arm a whole half minute later after the fact. Like, you know, just say that he raised his gun at you, which was the truth. Isn't that a righteous kill? I don't know that for a fact, but this is similar to um, in season one. Same thing happened when Doke shot somebody. And once again, Quinn uh, Batista was left as a doubting Thomas being like, oh, I don't know who to believe in this story. Did it really happen like this? And in that in that scenario, Batista told Dokes, like, well, even if he raised his gun at you, it was a righteous shoot. So why why got to complicate things with pretending he got shot and stuff? And ugh. This episode bummed me out. But that's it. I'm hoping next... I don't know what I'm hoping, man. I'm Dexter can't even be himself around Hannah. Sure, oh, I could be myself around her, except for when I murder her father, then I have to lie about it. Did Hannah... Is Hannah a dummy now? She can't figure this out? Ugh! Garrett, you're killing me, Larry! Thanks as always, Travis. It was a pretty heavy-handed episode in a few respects, hitting us over the head with their messages. Clint was lacking in any subtlety. The Bobby thing I, I didn't mention in my review, which I've apologised too much for already, the, the lack of quality in my review this week, but the Phantom doing what he did because of Bobby and his Dexter questioning what he's doing for his so-called dark passenger and whether it is just him compartmentalising what he does to avoid taking responsibility. And you mentioned the rehashing of old storylines, like with Matthews and LaGuerta talking about what happened to the cabin. You're right, it, it felt like pointless exposition for the majority of the audience. I don't know what percentage of the audience is new to the show this season and has only just started watching, but it must be pretty small, right? This is completely serialised drama. Who would just start watching season... Who, who would just start watching now uh, one season from the end? And you mentioned about why we should care about Hannah crying. I know why we're meant to care. It's because our hero has fallen in love with her. The writers want us to root for them. At least it seems so. Support Dexter in his growth as a person and to sympathise with the woman he's fallen in love with. But unfortunately, it's all been a little rushed, I suppose, within half a season or so. I know love can happen quickly, and that's what's happened here. But we've not had time to get to know Hannah, learn to like her first, before Dexter fell in love with her. Probably difficult for this to have happened, though, with the time the writers have. Now... As you know, I've, def I've defended this storyline before and, and I still stand by my support of Dexter falling in love with someone as a natural progression for his character and realistically depicting how love can find us at any time. But the fact that there is still, there are still plenty of fans out there who don't like Hannah or are just not fully on board with their character, I mean, really, it, it shows that clearly the writers have not got it quite right. If they had, I think the dissenters would be very much in the minority, as it is. The way it's going at the moment, I get the feeling it's about 50-50 at best. You know what? I'm going to level with you guys here. The first four episodes of the season were fantastic. Dexter at its best. It was top quality drama, well written, 
well acted, well paced, and I think I've I've probably been riding the momentum from that, and it's made me more forgiving for the shortfalls of the later episodes. Although, I think we have to agree, there's been plenty of really good stuff in there too. Argentina, wasn't it? We, we had the scene in the bar between Dexter and Isaac. And in the same episode, we had the scene between Deb and Dex talking about how she felt. There's definitely been plenty of positives, and... I am feeling a little disappointed that the middle third of the season hasn't been as brilliant as that opening third. That said, the tension of those first few episodes had been building since season one, so it was all a big deal for us, for us long-term fans of the show. The rest of the season is all new stuff, really, for this season, to, for the most part, with less reason for us to really care about it with the exception of LaGuerta's butcher investigation, although that's been a slow burn for the most part, and I appreciate that. I, I don't know. I, I am enjoying the season. I, I am enjoying Dexter's development, his progression, al although some of you might argue that it's not progression, regression maybe. So really, I, I, I have to say that I am on board. I, I am enjoying it. And um, I appreciate what they've been doing with Dexter's character. And I can understand what's been happening to him. It's felt organic to me, even if it has arguably been fairly rushed this season, which has been unfortunate. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much OK with, with how things are, I think. Anyway, let's, let's move swiftly on uh, before I um, argue with myself any further. <laughs> hey, Gareth. Came from Pittsburgh. Start, start talking about uh, the dark whatever. Quinn's gunfight in the foxhole um, that really gave me like a heart attack for Batista's uh, well-being. Because um, after Quinn uh, fired a bullet, uh, the whole club started going crazy, and Batista dropped his gun at some point and. At the time, I was thinking that um, Batista dropping his gun was going to be what allowed him to get shot by, like, uh, a Costa goon or something, and that's how Batista was going to die. Um, but instead, I guess, um, Batista fumbling around during the chaos is um, what stopped him from seeing the truth that, uh, that Quinn shot George and then faked the gunshot to himself. So... I mean, Batista still heard it, so he still knows that Quinn's story is complete nonsense. But um, going deeper into the whole uh, scene with George and Quinn, it happened kind of in a flash, so I don't know how much it's worth looking into. But uh, did George want Quinn to shoot him? I mean, George doesn't have a death wish, obviously, but um, he was kind of egging him on, like... Uh, what, are you going to shoot me in my own club? And by that, I thought, you know, uh, George might have some backup or something. But Quinn shoots George, and then nothing really happens, so I guess George's just making empty threats. Um, moving on from that, uh, at the end of the episode, when Dexter was comforting Hannah, it's like, oh, your father's not going to come back. I talked to him. Uh, was that, like, killer speak for I killed your dad? I 
I don't know if Dexter was hinting that, if Hannah picked up on that, uh, or was Dexter just lying, because Hannah knows he's lying. Uh, small detail, but I was thinking that that might change the rules uh, between them if they're going to start being okay with killing each other's family. Um, could be some messy foreshadowing. I don't know. Um, and if you don't sympathize with Hannah a little bit right now, uh, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, this episode, the, uh, the tad was just brutal. Um, uh, I also, I swear for a little bit, I thought he was, um, I thought he was a character from Twin Peaks. I, he looked very similar to one. I forget the the name of the character that he looked like. It escapes me right now, but... Yeah, I don't know. Um, two last things. Uh, one, uh, during Helter Skelter, uh, I thought they were foreshadowing the arsonist uh, to be um, the arson detective. And I'm glad this episode, uh, on like one or two, two occasions they talked about how cliche that would be and uh, appropriately the writers uh, escaped that cliche and uh, the arsonist was revealed to be somebody else who wasn't the arson detective. The arson detective is just an innocent, weird Civil War cosplayer. And finally, uh, one other question I want to ask was um, whether you thought Captain Matthews was protecting LaGuardia at the end there, saying, no, 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 I have to talk to Dexter. Matthews is... um, has no reason to want to protect LaGuerta, um or really suspect Dexter, but I couldn't help but he was thinking that maybe if LaGuerta is the one that talks to Dexter, uh, Dexter would have no problem killing her, so he's going to put himself in that line. But, uh, that was one last thought. All right, Gareth, I've said a lot. Um, I might call you next week, all right? Bye. Thanks, Ken. You had the same thought I did in that last scene between Dex and Hannah when he said her dad wouldn't be coming back whether she'd pick up on what he wasn't saying, or whether she just didn't want to ask. She just trusts him that he's dealt with it. I wondered if she'd be mad that he'd killed her dad, although maybe she'd have warmed to the idea if she knew he'd already phoned Deb with the tip-off that could lead to her undoing. It sounds like you sympathise with Hannah. We should cut her some slack, really. I know there's been a lot of people really laying into her, She's fresh into the show, and and although they were a bit heavy-handed with the dad, we can't refute her crappy childhood and this abusive father, however they've presented it. It's a horrible thing for a child to go through. But it's funny how, despite that, she really wants to think that he's changed and wants to build bridges. And I think that's quite common about people who've suffered abuse. You know, spousal abuse, it, it can go on because... An individual might be in denial and, and blame themselves in some way or um, and kind of think, well, you know, they didn't mean it and um, they can change. They want to change. They promise at this time it will be different. You know, you hear some of these sort of tragic cases and um, you know, I'm, I'm on dodgy territory talking about such a, a, a sort of... Um, controversial and emotive subject, really. Maybe I should move on, but you get... I hope you get what I'm saying. But yeah, I, I I think I can accept that she, deep down in her heart, wants 
she she doesn't seem to have any other family. This could be her only family, and I can understand her wanting to cling on to some very thin shred of hope that maybe she can rebuild some sort of relationship with her dad, however much of a bastard he used to be. Um, and it's a shame that, you know, she, she's got to that point where she's sort of opened her door again to to a point, only for him to break her heart again. It's shitty, it really is. Uh, and even though Clint was a bit cartoony, as many of you guys have put it, we do see a very human side of Hannah this week. Your question about Matthews, Ken, um, wanting to speak to Dexter, I think he was starting to come round to LaGuerta's way of thinking a little bit, at least on the face of it. And because he has history with Dexter, and especially Harry, Dexter's more likely to be receptive to a conversation with him about his past. Thanks, Ken. Uh, An email now from Mike Lanich, who writes... I wanted to start out this email by highlighting a quote I was reminded of while watching this episode. And he quotes, We do not grow absolutely, chronologically. We grow sometimes in one direction and not in another. Unevenly, we grow partially. We are relative. We are mature in one realm, childish in another. The past, present and future mingle and pull us backward, forward or fix us in the present. We are made up of layers, cells, constellations. And that's a quote by Anais Nin. Mike continues by saying, The quote is pretty straightforward. As people, we grow in a fragmented way. We mature unevenly throughout our life. Some parts of us remain childlike while others move forward, while events in our past, present and future work and shape us. We are more complex creatures made up of life's events, decisions, good and bad. While Dexter may be a slightly more exaggerated version of this, the episode highlighted for me how human he really is at the end of the day now. This season, Dexter has grown by leaps and bounds. He has put away his childish things in the form of the bloodslides and rituals for which he has clung to for so long. He has now said, I love you, and truly, deeply meant it. And maybe the thing that is more amazing is that with Hannah's nudging, he's now realising that his dark passenger doesn't exist. It was created by a young Dexter in order to shield himself from his own guilt because of what he does. Now that it's gone, will the code itself be going soon? Another kill this episode that was never held up to the light of the code. That makes four now. Will Dexter now finally become what Brian always wanted him to be, free to be himself because he wants to kill? It's not only Dexter and Deb who have daddy issues. Hannah's father was a real piece of work. No wonder she screwed up. I was moved about how much her father's words hurt her. It shows that despite being a killer, she's still human. In a way, she's what Dexter is aiming to become. Someone who has a choice. He can choose to kill her or not to kill. No, I'm sorry, Mike. I'll read that again. Got that completely wrong. Dexter is aiming to become someone who has a choice. He can choose to kill or not to kill, but he has to take full responsibility for his kills instead of blaming it on the dark passenger. This leads me to a major decision. Could Dexter's decision to kill Hannah's father come back to hurt him? Despite hating her father, it's obvious she still loved him on some level. Could this decision give Hannah the opportunity to strike at Deb because Dexter killed her father? Could this cause a rift to form now? 
Laguerta and Matthews are really starting to hone in on Dexter, but something tells me I smell a double-cross coming. Last week, Matthews seemed to come around awfully quick after blowing Laguerta off. What Laguerta did to him is something I can't believe for a second he'll let her get away with. I don't think he honestly cares about finding out if the Bay Harbor Butcher is still alive. He wants to bring Laguerta down for good, so he's playing along for now. Even losing his pension for good would probably be worth it if it means bringing down the woman who has made his life hell for years. Some additional thoughts and theories. Refilling the spank bank is probably Masuka's best line in a relatively light season for him. It, is, it appears that Deb's feelings are still there bubbling beneath the surface. Is this really how George dies? The man who killed Isaac gets taken out in such an easy fashion... I can honestly say this is probably one of the only things that disappointed me. Would any police station allow its employees to date people from an active investigation? Not to stir up the cauldron too much here, but has any female besides Deb, and she has her haters out there too, ever really been liked on this show, whether good or bad characters? Deb, of course, is the fan favourite, but she's had seven seasons to make us love her. Rita was well-liked, but even she began to suffer a big backlash in the last couple of seasons. Lila was hated as well as Lumen, and now Hannah seems to be dividing the fan base. All of these women have something in common. They were in love with Dexter. You can read into this what you will, but it appears that nobody is worthy of Dexter, and vice versa. Thanks, Mike. Brilliant stuff. You, you raise some very good points, as, as you always do, but one that jumps out to me. Uh, is is where you were talking about uh, Dexter, that Hannah is what Dexter is aiming to become. She's a killer who makes a choice, uh, and that Dexter, if he doesn't have the code anymore, he can just choose to kill or not to kill. Actually, no, even with the code, he still has the same choice, doesn't he? But he doesn't kill because he needs to, or because the dark passenger tells him to. And that he will then just have to take responsibility. And that could be quite a weight. And could be that what stops him killing. Because ultimately, without the dark passenger to hide behind, he's got to bear the weight of all these kills on his own shoulders. And could that pile up and be too much for him to bear? I'm glad you agree with me that we did see a very vulnerable human side of Hannah this week. The writers do have a tough job of encouraging us to care about her. And I'm sure there'll be many viewers, and no disrespect to them, who fully bought into Clint McKay and care about Hannah Moore as a result. Uh, sorry, little break in the recording there. I don't know if you heard the phone ringing in the background. That was my mother asking how I'm feeling. <laughs> Bless her. Um, that's the first time my mum's got on the podcast. <laughs> uh, where was I? Back to Mike's email. Yeah, um, that quote you gave was great how parts of us develop at different speeds. Like me, my sense of humour is still in the same place it was when I was four. Yes, I still find fart jokes funny, but Dexter is a wonderful personification of the principle, and it makes total sense, even if it, he is a slightly exaggerated example. It sounds like you're really enjoying the season, Mike, and that's great. I don't think I picked up on any major negatives in your email, so that's got to be good. This week... It's really felt like the negative voices have been stronger insofar as uh, listener feedback. And I don't think been, I've been my usual positive self, but you could chalk that up to being ill. <laughs> or maybe I'm starting to be swayed by some of the naysayers. I've, I've got to be strong. Be strong, Gareth. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm glad you picked up on the fan response to women in the show, Mike. Um, there really is a, a general trend towards disliking any female who gets close to Dexter. What is it? Are we like the disapproving dad? No one's good enough for my Dexter. It's natural that we're invested in Dexter and care about his well-being, and the regular disapproval of Dexter's female companions, shall we say, it's often amused me, and, and to be fair, one or two have deserved it more than others. I think Hannah is... <sighs> yeah, she is getting a rough deal, and I don't blame the actress. The writers have to pull out a few dramatic tropes to serve the character, and it's a shame that our caring for a character can't happen more organically, but there it is. And one of your last points there, I really like and can truly see happening, that Matthews will play along with LaGuerta just to screw up her career like she destroyed his. And it might turn out to be the thing that saves Dexter, if it totally scuppers her investigation. Question is, if Matthews genuinely starts to realise that she's right and Dexter really is guilty, would he maybe put his feud with LaGuerta aside? Hmm, I, I, wouldn't put, I wouldn't like to put my money on it, but if you push me, I think I'd say you'd rather wipe the floor with LaGuerta than convict Dexter. Thanks very much, everybody, for your feedback this week. Some phenomenal emails and voicemails. Uh, lots of food for thought. Uh, I'm referred to smart listeners uh, in, in some of the comments this week, and that's so true. <laughs> OK, if you want to get in touch with me, you're always welcome. The listener lines in the US, it is 646-222-6122. In the UK, it's 0844-579-6949. And in the UK, you enter mailbox ID 08320 when the voice prompts you. Email, it's dissectingdexter at gmail.com, where you can also send a voice recording file. There's also Twitter at Dissect Dexter, or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. And there's Facebook. Log on to Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and you'll find the fan page. Or there's uh, Smoke Signals, or Semaphore, if uh, you're within my line of sight. Um, or maybe Morse Code, if um, you, you want... Uh, what am I talking about? <laughs> Next time on Dissecting Dexter. Okay, my spoiler-free speculation about what could happen next week. Um, it's Season 7, Episode 11, of course. It's entitled, Do You See What I See? I'd like to think there'll be a surprise or two in store for next week. But generally, I, I think... I think we can pretty safely predict continuing plot progression for LaGuerta's investigation. I'm interested to hear the conversation Matthews says he'll have with Dexter. That'll rattle him, for Matthews to approach him out of the blue. Maybe Hannah will go after Matthews and LaGuerta to protect her boyfriend. And with Batista in tow, I expect we'll see Deb interviewing this witness, who could hold the key to putting Hannah behind bars, and in the process, destroy Dexter's first true love in turn creating an even bigger rift between brother and sister that could be too wide for them ever to bridge. And for me, personally, as a, as a fan of their relationship from the very beginning, uh, I, would, I would find that heartbreaking, really. I mean, it's, 
it's why I took it so personally last year that that the way things turned. <laughs> I said that through clenched teeth. Could you tell? <laughs> That's why I took it so personally because I, I was so invested and and I cared so much about their brother sister relationship and I would find that so hard to um, uh, to uh, to move forward from. Really, that if if the rift uh, became irreparably 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 irreparable. <laughs> Um, it got damaged beyond repair. There we go. If that happened, that, that would be terrible. I, I'm still optimistic for a good conclusion to the show, to the season specifically, to the show as well, but for this season in particular, the, the penultimate episodes are usually good ones, so hey, here's hoping next week lives up to that. Okay, well, as I sit here in my living room, surrounded by all the trimmings of Christmas that we put up this weekend, uh, Christmas tree in the corner, fireplace with a fire crackling away next to me. Well, I say crackling, the coals are glowing, but, uh, you know, it's nice all the same, throwing out a bit of warmth, which is helping me in my uh, man flu state. Uh, our remaining cat Rita is asleep on uh, my son's beanbag in the middle of the room. I'll have to turf her off before he gets home because um, she tends to slobber when she's sleeping and um, he complains because it leaves marks. <laughs> okay, well, that's it for another week. Uh, thanks very much for listening and for putting up with my crap review this week. I. I I'm just not not in the zone this week at all. Uh, thank God for your feedback that I was able to respond to with, with more quality than I was able to put into my review. Um, I promise I'll do better next week. Uh, so until next week when we can dissect some more Dexter again together. Thanks again, guys. Speak to you soon. <laughs>